Welcome to Medicare for All Explained. This podcast will enlighten our listeners and dispel the distortions that surround Medicare for All. Medicare for All Explained is produced in collaboration with Physicians for a National Health Program and is hosted and produced by Joe Sparks. I'm your host, Joe Sparks. This is Episode 4, Global Budgets, Saving Money and Increasing Simplicity. My guest today is Dr. Phil Verhoff. Dr. Verhoff is an assistant professor of medicine and an intensivist in the adult and pediatric ICUs at the University of Chicago. He is a national board member of Physicians for a National Health Program and past president of the Illinois Single-Payer Coalition. Dr. Verhoff maintains an NIH-funded research program studying the immunology of sepsis in the ICU. His advocacy work has been published in several media outlets, including the Annals of Internal Medicine, Crane's Chicago Business, the Chicago Sun-Times, and Chest, the official publication of the American College of Chest Physicians. Dr. Verhoff, welcome to Medicare for All Explained. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here and an honor to be able to talk a little bit about how we fund hospitals under a single-payer system. Today, we're going to be discussing global budgets, and I know most people are probably familiar with the fee-for-service. Could you please explain what a global budget is? Sure. So, global budgeting basically refers to funding all operating expenses for a hospital out of a great big lump sum budget. Currently, we do per patient billing, and at any given moment, a hospital CEO is trying to anticipate what their budget needs will be for the upcoming year based on lots of different revenue streams, different insurance plans, public plans, private plans, payments out of pocket from patients. And this is an incredibly complicated system. A global budget system, on the other hand, simply looks at what the operating expenses of the hospital or the hospital system have been in the prior year to predict what the next year's needs will be. And and that would include the money to keep the lights on, overhead costs, salaries for staff, for nursing staff, respiratory therapists, physicians, anyone that is necessary to help the hospital function. And so the notion of global budgeting then is that it's incredibly simple. You look at how much you've spent the prior year, that's how much you're given, obviously with a little bit of an increase to account for the increase in costs or inflation. But overall, these global budgets would cover all of these expenses and therefore simplify vastly the way that hospital systems are funded. Now, you mentioned hospitals. Would doctors' offices and doctors' groups also be funded with global budgets? So under a single-payer system, we could certainly fund reimbursed physicians under global budgets. So if a physician were a salaried member of a hospital system, then they would be paid from that hospital for the care that they provide, independent of the number of patients that they see. And so that's a big difference from how we reimburse physicians at this time. But 
under a single-payer system or in the context of global budget, a physician could still be in a private practice. A physician could hang up their shingle and still see patients as a solo practitioner or in a small group practice. And that practice system would also be global budgeted. One would look at the volume of patients that that physician practice sees in the prior year and the cost that they incur for, again, keeping the lights on to be able to see those patients. And then they would be reimbursed as a function of the number of patients and their costs in general. So you don't need to mandate that physicians be salaried employees in order to provide global budgeting under a single-payer system. One of the things I was wondering, I mean, occasionally you have disasters like wildfires or, unfortunately, mass shootings. Would there be some adjustments for usage if suddenly something happened that caused the hospital to have to spend more money to take care of people? Absolutely. So under a global budgeting system, there has to be a cushion, right? We don't know precisely what's going to happen in the upcoming year. And we know there have been significant disasters. Recent wildfires in California have probably meant that those hospitals have had to spend quite a bit more. Presumably, they won't need to spend more next year, assuming that there aren't more wildfires. And so it would be absolutely necessary to build in mechanisms to allow for that flex up. And as a general rule, we know what our overall healthcare spending has been in the United States. And so if we start with that pool for how much that needs to be spent, there will be ample money to support a system that has higher needs because presumably at the same time, another system may have reduced spending needs. And the notion of the global budget is that the system that didn't need to spend as much doesn't get paid as much. Unlike the current system where if you have a hospital and they can not spend as much money on taking care of patients, they may be able to keep more of that money and invest it in capital or keep it as a profit, which is certainly not consistent with what I think is the way that we should be funding healthcare in this country. Well, one of the things that I've heard, too, is also there'd be separate capital budgets that would be separated from the operating expenses. So hospitals could plan and expand to meet needs as necessary. That's exactly right. I think that that's an important distinction that global budgeting creates. There is a real need to dissociate capital spending from the spending for patient care. One thing that many of the not-for-profit hospital systems do is they continue to increase their revenue by building nicer and nicer hospitals. That draws in more privately insured patients. They're not allowed to keep that money as a profit, so they simply expand more and more to buy bigger and better MRIs. And in the process, we are increasing the gap between the quality of resources at a hospital system like that and the quality of resources at your local community hospital or at your county hospital. And so when all of the money for capital investment is focused on the most shrewd money makers within the hospital system, those that are, are taking care of the sickest patients who don't generate very good revenue or who are insured by public providers, which may not reimburse as well, those hospitals don't benefit and we further widen the gap in resources between them. So under a single-payer global budgeted system, what we really need to do is dissociate those things. Let's distribute resources 
where hospitals need them. I can think of many public hospitals where the resources are simply not there. And and yet they're taking care of many, many sick patients. And so this is an, an attempt to support those patients that most need them in those hospitals that are struggling the most with resource limitations. The other benefit to separating capital expenditures from global budgets is that it reduces the incentive for a hospital to cherry pick or to only pick healthy people or people who have insurance that reimburses very well uh, in order for them to expand. And yes, we have laws in this country that say if you present to the emergency room, you must be seen regardless of the hospital. But that doesn't mean that that hospital is obliged to provide long-term continuity of care for you. And so the hospitals that make the most money engage in practices that increase their revenue in a way that some of the poor hospital systems or the safety net hospitals simply don't have the option to do. And so this will reduce the incentive to game our current system to bring in more revenue to be able to build uh, bigger money-making machines for these well-resourced hospitals. Well, you essentially answered what was going to be my next question which was how will global budgeting help people who are underserved and poor people? I think that there's no question that it would because right now I hear on a regular basis how our public hospital system in the Chicago area is struggling. It seems like every year there's another headline how the Cook County Department of Health and Human Services is undergoing budget cuts and may need to close beds in the hospital or reduce the kinds of care that they can provide. And these are people that need that care more than anybody else. These are people that don't have insurance. These are people that have such poor insurance that they're still forced to pay out of pocket and would rather go through the county system. It's not fair to them that they get provided such substandard care. So under a global budgeting system, we simply look at who got seen in the Cook County health system in the last year and then provide a fair and adequate amount of money for them to be able to take care of those patients well in the upcoming year. That is effectively what a global budget would do. It takes out all of the profit incentives it takes away all of the drive to cherry pick where you only want healthier patients with better insurance and simply says, you're a patient, you're sick, you deserve this level of care. This is what it will cost to provide that. And you can get that at any hospital that you show up at. Now, there are some proposals for single-payer systems in Medicare for All that do not have global budgeting. We've discussed it somewhat. Why do you think global budgeting is so important, and what would be the problem with maintaining the fee-for-service system? The biggest problem with the fee-for-service system is that the more that you do to a patient, the more money you make. And so whether it's fee-for-service at the hospital level or at the practitioner level, there is a financial incentive to do more. And I think that's a problem. There is evidence that people 
are getting procedures that they don't need, that they are getting interventions that they don't need, potentially medications that they don't need. And this is clearly driving the cost up of our system. But it also, of course, subjects people to risk. You know, if you actually did need that coronary artery bypass surgery, you just put yourself at a significant risk so that somebody could make a fair bit of money. And there have been estimates of how much unnecessary care is provided in our country. Well, fee-for-service can substantially contribute to that because the more we do, the more the physician or the hospital makes. Now, to be fair, there are countries that do reimburse on a fee-for-service basis and are well able to control costs, to control expenses. But under our system in the United States, I think that it certainly is a system that has been well abused to line the pockets of certain folks, potentially at the expense of patients. So I think that to me is a big reason why, you know, potentially shifting away from a fee-for-service system is good. Now, you have to remember, we reimburse on a fee-for-service basis, but every insurer reimburses differently. So if a procedure costs a dollar, the average reimbursement from a private insurance company is about 80 cents, from Medicare is about 65 cents, and from Medicaid is about 40 cents. This creates enormous complexity in our healthcare system because uh, what it means is that a hospital has to constantly look at what they call the payer mix. They want the optimal payer mix, which is lots of privately insured, some Medicare, and not too many Medicaid or uninsured because those are patients that they don't get reimbursed very well on. And then hospitals that serve uh, lower income communities inevitably have a payer mix with more Medicaid patients and they're struggling to get by. And so there is both a tremendous amount of complexity and it makes it very difficult to budget for the next year. And under a global budgeting system, we do away with all of that complexity. So a hospital no longer needs to say, gosh, I, I need more private insured patients. I don't want these uninsured patients here because they're going to drag us down and make it harder for us to provide care. All of that goes away under a global budget system. This gives me a chance to actually mention a couple of other reasons that I think we have problems with healthcare spending in this country. So a significant flaw in our Medicare system is the DRG system, and that's the disease-related group system. And so for patients that have Medicare, for those patients the government reimburses using what are called DRGs. And so, for instance, let's say that you break your hip. You go to the hospital and hip fracture has a specific DRG reimbursement rate. So Medicare will always give the hospital the same amount for that hip fracture. And it doesn't matter if your hip fracture keeps you in the hospital for two weeks and you have lots of complications, or if the surgery goes great, you're out and you're off to rehab shortly thereafter. But under Medicare, the hospital doesn't get more if you stay in the hospital for longer. And so what this means with the DRG system in Medicare is you want to keep people in the hospital for as short a time as possible, get them out because you get to keep all of that money. If you have a patient who has a hip fracture and ends up staying for a month because they have complications, you'll ultimately spend more caring for that patient 
than Medicare reimburses. And that, to me, is also really, really problematic as a way for structuring reimbursement in this country. So I think fee-for-services has some real problems. I think the DRG system in Medicare has some real problems. And between those two things, if we can get rid of the complexity that both those systems incur on our healthcare system, the simplicity of a global budget will mean that we can just provide the care that we need to provide for people without having to worry about doing more to make more or doing less to make more, which are the incentives driven by either fee-for-service or DRGs, respectively. A question about DRGs. Suppose that somebody comes in with a hip fracture. They discover another problem. They discover diabetes or something. Does the hospital have to set up a whole new DRG or can they say, oh, this person has this problem and we need to treat it? How would that work? So that's really complicated under the current system. If they came in and the driving DRG for the admission was orthopedic fracture, again, there's not necessarily adjustment for all the other problems that happen. And so if you identify uh, you know, when you're getting the x-ray for a hip fracture, you happen to see that somebody has another problem, you know, maybe a bone lesion that looks like cancer. You can have to go through some administrative acrobatics in order to get additional money to treat that problem. The most extreme of which is, let's fix your fracture, discharge you, then readmit you to work up your new cancer or your new diabetes. And so the DRG system is not kind to patients that end up having complicated diagnoses above and beyond the original DRG for which they were admitted. And on top of that, the DRG system incorporates readmission penalties. So if you are readmitted for the same problem or even for a different problem within 30 days, the hospital may not be reimbursed for that care. So all of these things create complexity in our system that isn't good for patients and probably actually costs us more by delaying our ability to provide the care that patients actually need. One of the things I find very interesting is back more decades than I care to admit, but it was the early 80s, I was dating a dermatologist and I think DRGs were introduced then in the early 80s. And she identified some of the same problems that you were talking about. Yeah. She said people would come in and then they would have to discharge them and readmit them if they found other problems. Yeah. So I just find it amazing that we haven't solved that problem yet. No. And honestly, in the way that the system has evolved since then, we're only making it more complicated. So the readmission penalty is one example of that. This didn't exist 10 years ago, but people said, oh, gosh, readmissions are frequent among elderly folks. Let's penalize hospitals because it assumes that the hospital did a bad job caring for them in the first place. Well, this is not fair, right? Some patients are more sick than others, and the notion that we should penalize you for being readmitted creates a whole host of other problems, like, gosh, maybe we should just keep you in the hospital for longer to keep you from being readmitted. When we create complicated systems, we create opportunities for gaming, we create opportunities for not providing care in the most effective or efficient manner. And so moving away from all of this complexity through global budgeting that simply says, you saw 100 patients last year, this is how much it cost you, 
we will provide you with a budget to see another 100 patients this year. And if you start to see more, we will increase the amount that you get budgeted as a function of that, totally irrespective of all of these other problems that we bake into the system. Well, one of the important things that you mentioned is the simplicity. But for example, if we would keep fee-for-service and we still have separate insurance, one of the problems is you still have the insurance companies with their different payment rates and the hospitals have to figure out what goes to where, and that creates more costs for our fragmented system. You mentioned before that some places do use fee-for-service, but the rates are set, so it's much simpler. So it may not be quite global budgeting, but there's no debate as to what a hospital or doctor will get reimbursed. That's right. And there are a couple of states that are experimenting with these kinds of systems like Maryland has done, which uh, they call that an all-payer system. And basically, in that system, the rates are set. There is not a different rate for an appendectomy between different insurance companies. Um, There are not different rates for any type of care. All those rates are negotiated and set. And therefore, a hospital can actually budget much more easily because they know on average how many appendectomies they're going to do. And so they can anticipate how much that's going to cost them. And so some have argued that we could at least start by creating an all-payer system with a unified set of rates so that at least revenue for the providers is much more constant and predictable instead of really depending on what they can get back from insurance companies. It's remarkable to me that at the institution where I work, we only actually get reimbursement for 15 to 20% of the care that we provide. And that's because this system is so complicated. There are great opportunities for insurers to deny reimbursement or for patients that don't have insurance that can reimburse or patients that have to pay out of pocket. And so we're getting reimbursed for only a fraction of what we bill. And that, to me, is an absolutely flawed system. It should be you take care of a patient and you get reimbursed for taking care of that patient. And that should not be up for debate or up for politicization or up for an insurance company deciding, well, we're not going to reimburse for that. We're going to deny that because that's the only way that an insurance company makes money. And so creating the simplicity with an all-payer system would be great, but moving really beyond that to global budgeting, I think, would eliminate the need to have literally armies of billing folks who are out there trying to negotiate, to interact with insurance companies, to prepare these bills, to collect money from patients, et cetera. Well, one of the things, I've talked to several doctors, and I am amazed how much time that either they or their staff has to spend dealing with insurance companies. It's a common complaint. But I think this really shows just how inefficient our system is. So Toronto General is a hospital in Canada, which, of course, has a single-payer system and I think you mentioned earlier, has global budgeting. Correct. They have, for a roughly 400-bed hospital, they have three billing clerks. Just three. Yeah. In the United United States, we average one billing clerk per hospital bed. So if that hospital was in the United States, it would need 400 billing clerks. Now, I just want people to think about it. 
if I were a businessman and somebody says, we have a system where you can have three billing clerks or 400 billing clerks. Oh, yeah. and by the way, your competitors are using the other system, so they're going to have an advantage. If I chose to use the 400 billing clerks, if there was any just that I would be out on my you-know-what very quickly. Yeah. It's just such a stupid system. There's no other way to describe it. Yeah, it's remarkably, remarkably inefficient. And, you know, that need for all those billing clerks is purely driven by our fragmented system with private insurance, with Medicare, with Medicaid. All of that drives the need for all of those people. Let's just get rid of that because it's sort of a waste of money. They're not actually providing health care. It's money spent in the health care system for people that don't deliver any meaningful health care product. They're just moving money around. So one other point that I think gets a lot of attention that I, I, I want to make where global budgeting can help with this is the notion that we have zero price transparency in our system. And what do I mean by that? This is the idea that a bottle of aspirin should be $5 for 100 pills or 5 cents a pill, but you never get charged 5 cents. You get charged vastly more, excessively more for that pill of aspirin administered in the hospital because that has to help cover the overhead costs for keeping the lights on, the costs of maintaining a pharmacy, the costs of having doctors and nurses. The fact that some insurance plans reimburse well for aspirin and others don't. The fact that we have all these administrators. We bake all of those costs into the price that we set for anything. You know, another example is an appendectomy. Getting your appendix out might cost $1,500 at one hospital or $180,000 at another hospital. And that lack of price transparency and consistency is destabilizing to our healthcare system. You know, how much should an appendectomy cost? Well, it should cost the amount of operating room time, the cost of the lights on, the cost for the anesthesiologist, the preoperative nursing, the OR nursing and the post-op nursing, the cost for the surgeon, the cost for the medications, and that's it. The costs that we spend or the prices that are set for these procedures shouldn't need to account for the different amounts of reimbursement that you get. The fact that some insurers reimburse well and some people don't have insurance, so you're going to lose money on them. And so that complexity in reimbursement drives prices all over the place and means that we have zero price transparency. Um, and I think that that's a real problem. And I think everybody recognizes that it's ridiculous to get charged you know, $500 for a pill of aspirin. But the reality is the hospital system has to set those prices to account for all the other places where it loses money. Under a global budget, we get back to basics. We say, what is the wholesale cost that we need to purchase aspirin? You know, what does it cost to run the pharmacy? What does it cost to have nurses? What are all these costs at a fundamental level not needing to bake in variations in reimbursement and the need for profit by some insurance companies and the fact that some insurers will deny you and then you won't get money for that. This is a crazy way to create prices in our healthcare system. And so if we simply reimburse through a global budget what something costs 
it, things become much, much more simple. And and no longer do you need to have a $180,000 appendectomy in one hospital to cover all the uninsured patients that get their appendectomies there versus a $1,500 appendectomy at another hospital where everyone is privately insured and the hospital is doing just fine from a from an income standpoint. So to me, the other promise of global budget is we get back to rational price transparency in how we spend our money. And, and I think that ultimately becomes a way of, of both saving money but increasing simplicity. And, and there's nobody that wouldn't want to work in that context. I just thought of something as we were talking. You were talking about the DRGs earlier? Yeah. Imagine going to the grocery store. Now, if you're like me, I make a list, and then I always see other things I want to buy. Correct. But what the DRG is like is I make the list, and say I have cheese, tomato sauce, and pasta on my list. Yep. And I go there, and I get that. And yep. then I say, oh, but you know what? I also need mustard. I need salad dressing. I need to pick up some pasta. But instead of getting it right, then I say, but no, I can only get what's on my list. I have to go back home, make a new list, and come back. That's going to increase expenses. It's just pointless. That's what it, it seems it, that we're it, doing. It with increases inconvenience for you as well. And, and it increases the opportunity for mistakes to happen. It literally increases the work that you must do because it doubles it, right? I mean, you have to go back home. You have to come back. All of that is your time. All of that is uh, your effort. And, and these are more opportunities to make mistakes. It's a crazy system. Exactly. Global budgets, I think, are very important. I think we absolutely need them. And I hope this episode of Medicare for All Explained helped that. Phil, thank you so much for being on Medicare for All Explained. Joe, it was a real pleasure and happy to, uh, to continue this discussion anytime you want to. You have been listening to Medicare for All Explained. Information about this podcast can be found at our website, medicareforallexplained.org. The music for this show is Super Bubbly by Jesse Spillane. The logo was created by Lily Sparks. Thank you for listening.